Okay, we're <laughs> we're uh, going to get into just a new topic today. Uh, announced it earlier this week called Forgotten Power. We're going to start with uh, James 5. Let's go to James 5. Excuse me again. James 5, and we're going to start with uh, verse 16. A familiar scripture, but I'm going to read... uh, I'm going to read a couple versions here. So King James Version is, uh, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Again, the effectual fervent prayer, not just any prayer. It's effectual, it's fervent, and it's communicated through a righteous man, somebody in right standing with God and in God's presence. Those prayers of people in God's presence that are effectual and fervent, they produce, right? That's basically what that scripture is saying. And then uh, James 5, 16 through 18 in the Amplified, the Amplified version. James 5, 16 through 18, Amplified. All right, it reads this. It says, confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Look, it says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued, key word, heartfelt, continued prayer of, again, a righteous man, makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. All right, so here this is, it's breaking down. It's breaking down earnest. It's breaking down earnest as heartfelt continued. Heartfelt continued prayer. And once again, that's a righteous man and right standing in the presence of God makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. This is verse 17. It says, Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings and affections and a constitution or design like ours. It says he prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. Right? It says, and then he prayed again, and the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced its crops as usual. Let's look at 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. Again, our topic today, we're talking about forgotten power. Forgotten power. Chronicles. 1 Kings 17. Verse 1, it says, And Elijah the Tisbite, who was uh, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. You know, again, that's a bold statement, but that's fervent, effectually him communicating something. And we know the story. It, it didn't rain for three and a half years. Go over to the next chapter, 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18. And we'll start at uh, verse 42. It says, so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, the mountain, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees, face to the ground. It's kind of actually my favorite position, the prayer of my face on, on the ground. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. 
And he went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing. He said, go again seven times. And he's telling him to look towards the sea. He said, look for rain. And, and it came to pass at the seventh time, he said, behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare thy chariots and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, right? And then, of course, uh, this the uh, verse 46 is when uh, Elijah girded up his loins and ran out ahead of <laughs> the chariot to the city. So here you have Elijah, and the scripture says he, he, he was designed just like us. He says, but he actually prayed for it not to rain, and it did for three and a half years, not just like, you know, for me to get in the building, <laughs> right, for three and a half years. Then uh, he, he prayed for the rain to start again, and the rain started. But the interesting thing is he sent a servant. His servant came back and said, I don't see nothing. Now, that's what we deal with sometimes in our lives when, when, uh, when the storms and the clouds come and we're praying and believing for stuff to go away, the first look, nothing has happened. But he sent the servant back seven times. See, because it was representing a diligence, an earnestness, and a consistency. Like, just keep going back. So, so this, Elijah had to know something. See, see, circumstances didn't move what Elijah knew. And this is the thing, when we know something, especially if you're in the presence of God, circumstances don't move what you know right and so uh another version uh, uh of this says much prevails by supplication or prayer by a just person being energized by a just person being energized and that's the uh i think the apostolic version a apb version of that scripture uh just thought i'd give you that much prevails by supplication. So, so you know, we're, we're in a culture, and there's a lot going on in our culture, where the first thing that's normally, um, and it's unintentional, I don't think it's intentional at all, it's just reflex. You know, uh, the reflex is, uh, you know, hear people talk about prayer. Uh, and, and, in, and the next day when the person says, but we need to do something. And, and, and the reality is, I think, uh, once again, I don't think it's intentional. I don't think people understand and, and depending on where they are. Um, maybe people haven't had uh, prayers work. Sometimes we've talked about it here, understanding prayer. Sometimes you could be praying the, the, the wrong prayer for the right thing or the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, because there's different types of prayer. Prayer of supplication, dedication, prayer of consecration, prayer of faith. There's so many different types of prayer. And sometimes you could you could be praying uh, the prayer of consecration for healing. Well, that won't fit because the prayer of consecration is, Lord, if it be, if it be your will, heal me. Well, the Bible already says it's God's will for you to be healed, so that prayer wouldn't go there, would it? So it's just almost like if you got three cars, you don't know, tying them, they have a truck, they have a Toyota. Uh, um, Terrell has a truck too. But you take the Toyota keys and try to get in the truck and start the truck. Well, you have, a, you have a car key. You have a car key that can start a car. It just can't start your truck. And so sometimes we have the, we're, we're not praying the right thing. And not because, again, no one's trying to be evil. It, we haven't researched how to pray. And sometimes we're so caught up in the moment, we reflex. Um, and so, so, again, when you deal with unanswered prayer, you thought maybe prayer doesn't work. Not, I need to change. I need to position myself. I need to cut out some of the things that are intoxicating me. Uh, that's a whole nother story. That's uh, Sunday's devotion. All right, so, so the Lord gave me this message because what he shared with me was prayer has been the forgotten power. Prayer has been the forgotten power. So, so, so again, prayer is communion with God. It's, a, it's, a, it's the act of actually coming into God's presence. It's how we enter into God's presence. It's, it's by prayer. And we've talked about this in prayer before. You know, you ever 
feel like you've prayed, thought you've prayed, really believed you got the prayer out, but never opened your mouth. You know what I'm saying? But never really prayed, but you thought I prayed about that. Or you ever talk to somebody and go, man, I'm, I'm praying for you, but never really prayed for them? Or may pray for them, may have prayed for them one time in that moment, but in your situation, you want that person daily on the wall. So how many situations that we see going on have we been daily, consistently, more than an hour a day on that wall praying? Like, like the person that you said, man, I just need my brother to change. How many people have daily on that wall more than an hour been praying for that brother consistently? Or the country for that matter? How many people have been praying for the eyes of uh, Ephesians 1.18 says, I don't, you know, I'm sorry I don't have that listed for you, but it, it says uh, uh, Paul was praying for the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened. So I pray that for everybody, you know, especially if, if there's people that I deal with that come at me wrong or treat me wrong. I pray for the eyes of their understanding. Like, I don't pray uh, for uh, vengeance or payback. I need them to wake up and everybody around them to wake up. I need people to see, you know, people that really see and can see the, see the immorality or the, uh, the, 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 the truth of, of the situation are more apt to change. They're more apt to feel something. But blind people don't see nothing. And so, so, so how often or consistently are we on that wall praying? Just, just a thought, you know. Uh, this is a, a breakdown, a quote by you know, a guy that I've read more recently from Tom Tom, F.B. Myers, says, how shall we act in any given situation? So this is his breakdown of that whole passage I just read. He says, how shall we act in any given situation? So this is his, that's pretty much what the author was saying in, in James 5, how to act. It says, the apostle says, in effect, be, basically in every situation, be perfectly natural, what is considered natural for a Christian. He says, the suffering should pray. That's why he opened up, if any man is sick, let him pray when it opens up in uh, either verse 12 or 14. It says, the suffering should pray, the glad should sing, the sick should confess their sins and call for believing prayer. That should be a normal reaction. It says, uh, when it talks about and then putting the oil on them, the oil is the symbol of the anointing. The body is the Holy Spirit's temple. He is asked to bring it, bring this body to a level that spiritual wholeness, uh, as uh, I think um, Amelia mentioned the other day, that wholeness, or it might have been Ray, uh, what was you, what, mentioned wholeness, a wholeheartedly, right? That wholeness should bring us to a place of, 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 of healing. So spiritual wholeness, which is, is the ideal place we should be in. I said, so, so this is where we give prayer that uh, can affirm and claim some things. When we're living in wholeness, when we communicate to God, we can affirm and claim things because we're, we're connected to God. There is no doubt that perfect health will result from that. Health, okay, so when you say health, you're like, like why are we praying for health? Because some people are... Are, have mental health challenges, right? <laughs> Some people aren't whole in their minds, right? It says, uh, uh, so, so, so this right here is all the difference between what is uh, what we sometimes live out of, and that's human telepathy. That means supposed communication of thought. It's supposed that, well, I pretty much felt, I felt this, I almost prayed it, I communicated it. Versus divine healing. Divine healing is manifested when we're present, we're connected. It's heartfelt, and there's a passion going on because I'm 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 speaking to God out of wholeness. So this the interesting thing when we we operate in this place, in this place of communion with God and and righteousness and heartfelt prayer. The, the manifestation of divine healing in people's minds and people's hearts and people's bodies and people's lives, it's God's gift to faith. This is the key. It's God's gift to faith. 
God's gift to faith is the manifestation. God is not responsible to gift fear. He's not responsible to gift fear. He's responsible to gift faith, if that makes sense. And we have to realize Elijah became who he became by prayer and fasting. So Elijah was able to stop the rain and start it by his heartfelt, fervent prayer. How did he, how did he have that level of power? Through prayer and fasting. So we're in, a, we're in a time when power needs to be made available to change some things. How many people are, have prepared themselves through prayer, constant communication with God, going into God's presence, fasting, making sure as we did last week and we should be doing, you know, as my wife and, and, and some of the things I'm trying to do, extended even beyond that because of the need of, of, of our family, friends, and loved ones, and even people that we may not know, how many of us are fasting, pucking our flesh to make sure our, we can lock in and not only hear from God, communicate to God without our flesh getting in the way? How, how many of us spend more time feeding pleasure than we do positioning ourselves for powerful prayer? You see what I'm saying? Not because uh, this is not an a, a, a open rebuke or nothing like that. This is just more for us to realize, like, what we, uh, what we do have available to us, in addition to some practical things that I know uh, some of us are doing. So naturally, you know, uh, we know Elijah was subject like us. So, so Scripture says, it says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Uh, up in a few verses earlier in that same passage, it says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, people that are sick, they're, they're, they're weakened, they're infirm, you know, they're dis diseased, diseased. And so a lot of times you have people sick in their minds. You have people sick in their hearts. You have people sick in their bodies. And they're diseased. But it says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So, so again, that's one of the types of prayer. So, 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 so we're in a we're in a time where we need prayers of faith, you know, fervent, effectual prayers. You know, you got people that have friends, and you know, I, I hear this a lot. You know, oh, that, those are my girls. How often do you pray for your girls? Those are my partners. You pray for them every day, more than an hour. You know, those are my boys. Those are my peeps. How often do you pray for? Them? See, so, so because it'll save the sick. How often are you praying for their mind? Oh, that's just the way they are. No, but how often are we really on guard? Like if, 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 if we're really in a situation where we're, we are supposedly in a crisis, how many people are positioning themselves to be praying like they're in a crisis? Or just business as usual. Same lazy slowfulness, not open rebuke. I'm just saying if it applies to you, then, then the Lord is talking to you. Um, but... Some of us are operating that same, a matter of fact, casual, complacent, uh, selfish flow that we've always flowed in. And, um, and so, but then we're, we, we look around, oh, this is good. We look around for change when we're the change, right? We're the, we're the sons of God. And so this is the thing. The prayer of faith is a prayer of courage. The prayer of faith is a prayer of courage. Come on now. Now think about this now. Elijah goes into a, a community where he ain't the king and he don't have no army. <laughs> and he's going to challenge the He's going to challenge the king. Remember Ahab had Jezebel's wife. He's going to challenge the king. I'm about to shut this whole thing down. You, you guys ain't prospering nothing cuz there won't be no rain. For three and a half years. Uh, the scripture says when he came back, there's like, okay, okay, first of all, we need to know why you're here. Are you here because you love us? Or are you here to cause some more trouble? Right? But there's a level of uh, boldness you got to operate in to be like, listen, the God I serve, it won't be raining for three and a half years. 
I mean, God may tell you to tell somebody that if you don't, if you don't get out of that relationship, it's going to end bad for you. Some of us ain't even going to share that. But imagine you going to the president of the United States, hey, let's you uh, act right. I'm not speaking for or against nobody. I'm just saying, I just use them as an example, a person of power. And you go, okay, the, the, the crops in this country are dry up because it ain't going to rain for three and a half years. So, so how many people are going to be rolling like that? Right? But you, you got to be operating in a position of courage. Courage is just, I've heard this statement, courage is, is just fear that has said his prayers. Courage is just fear that has said his prayers. So, so, so the person may be tempted in fear, but they've said their prayers, so the, the, peer, the fear converted into courage. It converted into courage. You have to realize this, that because of forgotten power, people live mostly in our life in, in, in a, a vacuum of fear. Most, most arguments, most misunderstandings, you fear that somebody's not going to value your intellect, Nobody's going to value you. Nobody's going to want to be with you. People trying to play you, uh, think you're stupid. Like, it's all about fear. Control is fear. Like, I, I'm afraid that if I don't control the situation, it's not going to work out for me favorably. Uh, panic is fear. Uh, uh, uprise. Is, when I say uprise, I'm talking about, like, just mass hysteria. It's off. It's really just fear. You know, it's, it's, it's people are afraid. Right now, uh, in our country, people are hurt. Because they're afraid, it's fear. And so, fear is a is is a potential that the that the dominant popu uh, population lives in. And so, you gotta you gotta really attune your ear and listen for faith in a culture of fear. But sometimes we don't we don't if we don't live in faith, we're not listening for faith. We're just listening for something that's gonna uh, uh, I don't know feed our our. our or head or something, but we're not really, we got to be listening for faith-filled words. That's what God is communicating in the midst of, you know, in the midst of a, uh, a lot of craziness. And so this is the thing, um, this uh, faith life, you walk out your faith in the words you say. You walk out your faith in the words you say. You walk out your faith in your prayers. You walk out your faith in your prayers. You walk out your faith in your conversations with others. And like the scripture says, you walk out your faith by keeping your eyes on the one who is invisible. You know, he'll keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. But the reality is that's a nice statement for the pastor and, and this Christian to communicate. But it's not always easy, is it, to walk out your faith? Um, but I'll say this, it is virtually impossible to offer prayers that will be heartfelt because we're talking about heartfelt. And so think about just what that word means, heartfelt. So it's two sides of that. I'm communicating prayers that I feel in my heart, but I'm also communicating prayers that God feels in his heart. It's heartfelt by God. Like God, God's over, you know, get this uh this continent together you know it's a little you know they've been asking they just you know almost like working this chess game you know like it's, it's getting this together oh what was that what? hold on a second <laughs> what was that see it hit him so in his heart it drew his attention heartfelt prayers right and so it's impossible to offer prayers that will be heartfelt by god when we feed ourselves heart, a heart-weakening world. So if I feed myself a heart-weakening world, I'm not going to pray heartfelt prayers to God. My faith, my faith is going to be eroded. Satan desires to sift me as wheat, so he's going to beat down my faith and replace it with fears and doubt. So when I communicate that prayer, it is something I need, but it's not something I really believe I'm, it's going to manifest. So now I'm trying prayer. You see, see, trying prayer is not faith prayer, right? It's not heartfelt prayer. Trying prayer is almost like throwing dice, right? I'm trying prayer. So I'm not even thanking God for that prayer because, eh, 
And so, so think about this. Let's say if you uh, you live in a compromised life, uh, or let's say if you might not be living a compromised life. Let's say last week you just had a bad, uh, I'll just call it a righteous week, a bad righteous week. How confident are you in your prayers? Are you coming before God boldly? Do you believe your prayers? I know God going to answer my prayer. <laughs> but we probably need to have the same mindset some of our kids have. Because they be making mistakes all week. But they still be asking for stuff, believing they get it. <laughs> right? They don't be like, well, you know, I was kind of had a bad week, you know. So I'm not going to ask for this ice cream. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to ask for this money to go here. I'm not going to ask for nothing because I've had a bad week. No, they still ask it. And they still expect it. Actually, for them, one ain't got nothing to do with the other. But that's why the Bible says we got to come as children. We bring all our guilt along with us with our prayer. As if God is us, not God is who he is. <laughs> right? This just just something to think about. <laughs> Gotta use the kids because they well they teach they can teach us something if we pay attention. So again, it's it's important that if we want to operate in this power, and, and, and a lot of times it's forgotten because you know, any power, uh any ability that's unused is almost forgotten. So so we play basketball. So when you haven't played in a long time and, you know, you say, okay, I got to – well, that's the case now. I don't know when the last time I played basketball. But, you know, you say – I was talking to Felipe the other day, and I was like, I ain't even touched the basketball. It's been a long time since I ain't even touched one. Ain't shot, ain't did nothing. So I said, but I know, you know, I, I know how to get back. But every time I come back to play, there's certain things. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot I could do that. Ah, man, you know, duh, I forgot that's how I'm supposed to handle this. I remember one time I came back, and I forgot about the clock. I was playing in the game, and I forgot, oh, that's right, it's a 24-second it's a clock. You know, I was like, I forgot, you know, because they, so you can forget power. You forget the power that you have. And that's the adversary's trick, gets you so caught up in craziness, and you forget how God delivered you the last time. Through your prayer. <laughs> you even forgot, like, Matter of fact, if you really sit down, you can probably list out quite a few times you prayed and things that have manifested. But if something in us tells us, well, I probably got that one on honorable mention, you know, you know, this probably just, he probably had like a little extra blessing. <laughs> and like, hey, you know, like he, he, he had gave out all his blessings like, yeah, I throw you this one. No, it was your heart. Something happened around that time with your heart. And so we have to realize this. So we can't be conformed to this world. We have to be transformed. We can't be conformed because if we're conformed, everything we're conforming to is weakening our ability to have heartfelt prayer. And you don't notice it until you need heartfelt prayer. Now, why are you being weakened? It's cool. It's like, you know, you, you're whatever, you having fun or doing whatever. Then you're in a situation where you need to pray, and you can't. I was in a situation. I was traveling with a team. It's a semi-pro team, and I was in a hotel. And some of y'all going to watch this and be like, really? That's what happened? Because y'all wasn't in the hotel. We had our own rooms. So I'm in a hotel. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a, not, a, I'm not a new Christian, but I'm a new all-in, let's-live-for-God Christian. And I told the story before. As soon as, I, as soon as it was time to travel, the Holy Spirit told me to get back in the car. But I was like, nah, I'm a minister to these people. It's like Superman around kryptonite. And I remember this vividly. I remember opening my Bible up in the hotel, and I couldn't read it. It was like something was pulling on me. I remember trying to pray and couldn't get words out. It was like something had me on hold. See, because I was, I had fed myself the weakening world. But I was trying to find heartfelt prayer, and I needed prayer. I needed prayer bad, the situation I was in, right? But I couldn't get it out. And see, so, so, we, so that's what our, our fasting and our praying does for us. And this is the thing, like, like in the reality of this world and growing and trying to operate in power, we look at Christ. 
Christ shows up, and he's trying to show us how to live. So he gives us first sermon. So you figure first sermon, he's going to, in priority, he's going to communicate what's the most important thing, and then he's going to work his way down the ladder. Let me just start. I got their attention. Let me give them some information. But the Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes, uh, Matthew 5, you read it for yourself. He didn't talk about kingdom standards or doctrine. He talked about how to be. That, that's, that's what it means. Be attitudes. Break it up. Be the attitude of how you should be. That's why they call it be attitudes. Right? So his first opportunity to talk, he just talked about how we should be. No stories or doctrines. Look, look. And this is the thing. That's why the disciples were so overwhelmed. Because, now you got some of them that was uh, been around Pharisees, Sadducees, tax collectors, businessmen. And again, people were looking for a Messiah, but they had their whole, uh, their whole perception of how this should be. Like when, when he shows up, he should be like this. Just like, you know, you, you, you call your family up and you say, well, you know, I'm living for God. So immediately they, their picture goes in their mind. What, what living God, for God should be like. So certain things you may do or say, they, you know, I mean, depending on, you can get around certain family members you have on lipstick and they'd be like, okay, I thought you was living for God. And you'd be looking at them like, what that got to do with anything? <laughs> right, right. But in certain cultures, if you wore lipstick, you ain't living for God. You know, if, if certain dress, uh, uh, you, you, you're showing your, your shoulders. As you show your shoulders, you, they kick you out. Right? You see what I'm saying? Like, so they'll have a perception of how you should look. I tell you this, the whole time I was being ministered to to come to church, I had a picture of what going to church was. And I was like, I ain't ready for that right now. Like, I had a, a like, me going to church was like, I got to change my life. Not I'm going to still live the life I'm living. So I was like, I, I, I don't know if I can change my life. Then when I came to church, because now I'm ready what? To change my life. So I'm looking for holiness, righteousness, right standing. And I'd be running into different people in situations. I'd be like, I'm, I'm saying this respectfully. This is just the truth, being transparent. I was like, That's, he an elder? I was like, so, you a Christian? And then some of the stuff that they would promote, I would go, well, wait a minute. I, I didn't come to church for any of the world. I was already living that. I came to church for a new life. Not, I'm saying this respectfully, a weakened version of my old life. Like, if, if I wanted to still be gangster, I'd be out there. If I still wanted to club or party, I stay out there. I decide, look, I, I, it took me all this time now to come to the kingdom, and you're trying to almost like try to simulate some of those things. I, I just wasn't feeling that. And some, not in every church I went to, but some churches I went to. Right? So, so, so what I'm saying is for the disciples, when Christ showed up, they was like, what is this dude talking about? Like, just give us the doctrine. So they was looking for, see, this is the thing. The disciples was overwhelmed because they was playing off of conformity and leaning to their own understanding. They was playing off, of, this is how you conform to the religious uh, flows of, of this day. They were looking for a habitual script uh, or a, uh, they was looking for a protocol, right? Rather than a heartfelt God in person. They were looking for a script and a protocol, but they had a heartfelt God in person. Christ right there. You're telling him, or you almost, man, what is you talking about? He's Christ. If anything, you will be like, tell me where I'm off in my thinking. We, I deal with it. You know, folk will come to me, and, and instead of like, okay, you know, this guy's living for God. Let me find out where I'm off in my thinking. A person to justify their thinking and almost like, well, no, you should, you should communicate to me like this. Okay, so basically you can just help yourself, right? <laughs> you don't really need my help. You can help yourself. But my whole point there is that's how the disciples was wrong. That's why he, they were overwhelmed so much because they 
they couldn't get past what they had conformed to to really open themselves to how they can really be powerful. And this is what our challenge is. Like, we don't want to be powerful. We want to justify our compromise at times. We're looking for another reason. Okay, how can I still say Christ but still do this and still do that? And still do this. So we, you know, we, we have our days, our good church days, our good Bible days. But our daily lives, how, how does that look? Will Christ hang out with you? Like, will he just be sitting there with you? Will he be rolling with you? Would he respond like that? What did the guy say on uh, the other day? It might have been God talking. Uh, what would Jesus do? Or maybe somebody teach him. Was it Minister Lamar? Yeah, what would Jesus do? Right, so, so, so this is, uh, Jesus' solution was to send them out. This is what he did. When he studied them, these, now he selected them. They weren't ready-made. It's like leaders aren't ready-made. He, when, when he started to show them stuff, he said, okay, I just came up with the wisdom of how to get them to a place where they can operate in power. Right, so this is what he did. He sent them without script. And... All he had to rely on was the Holy Spirit. He, he sent them out to, to develop a need for prayer and fasting. And the way I could prove it to you is, remember, they went out, and at first, they came back with zeal. Hey, these come out by, hey, hey, we cast out demons, we healed the sick. He said, well, just be happy that your name is written in the book. Then there was a, there was a, a hierarchy of demonic influence that they couldn't cast out. And so they, you know, the guy said, well, you, your servants run around like they're powerful, but they couldn't cast out this demon out of my son. Well, it was really a legion of demons. So Jesus cast them out, and they pulled them to the side. Okay, you gave us power. We went out there. We cast out demons. How come we couldn't cast out this one? He said, these come out by prayer and fasting. From that point on, the disciples followed him different. Instead of following him going, man, what is he talking about? They followed him almost hanging on every word. They understood it cost more to walk in power. So Jesus' wisdom was just to place a demand on them to be attentive, consistent, locked in to every word that proceeded out of his mouth. If he didn't take them through that process, they'd have been like, all right, man, we listening, but what about, they, they would have said to themselves, yeah, but this situation, I don't really think I need it. But this situation, I don't think it's important. And this situation, I don't think it needs that. But he almost set them up for them to, to find out what they truly needed. We used to, I used to do this with coaching, put players in situations where they would, you know, because they would, man, I'm sweet already. So I'm like, okay, we'll put them in this situation. And they'd be like, they'd get humbled and they come back and say, okay, could you show me how to do such and such? So what I do is created created a demand for them to value what they really need. They already had what they had. Our challenge is getting what we don't have, if that makes sense, right? And so, so this is the challenge with uh, not operating in full power in our prayers. The inability to keep our attention creates a, creates an atmosphere of repetitive. The inability to keep our attention creates an atmosphere of repetitiveness. So in other words, when we're spending time in prayer with God, he needs us to be present. But sometimes what? Our mind's all over the place. Sometimes we're, we're in and out. Sometimes we're falling asleep, whatever the case may be. So what happens is we end up just in our natural man uh, being repetitive. We're just saying stuff that we believe sounds effective, right? And so, so why is it hard for us to stay locked in? Why is so many things going through our head? Because we fed ourselves the weakening world. And then when you start to go into the presence of God, the, the adversary starts to trigger all those clips of what you expose yourself to. And now you, you got, look, you be trying to pray and you be thinking about, you know, I wonder if they, what they think. Man, did I say the wrong thing? How did they take that? Well, man, I didn't mean to say that. Man, they're going to think I'm tripping. Man, they probably won't even appreciate me. I probably won't get the promotion. You think I'm going to get the promotion? Well, they don't even deserve the promotion. Like, you're going through all this. 
And you could have used that time, what? To pray. Heartfelt prayer, right? And so, so, so that's what creates that repetitiveness. This is what we take God through in prayer. Limited lock-in. Limited lock-in is what we take God through in prayer. So that's why, remember, heartfelt continual. Heartfelt continual. It's hard to have continual prayer if you're in and out of his presence. You're, you're physically there, but you're in and out of your presence. Your heart connects to him, and you, and you disconnect. Connect it, disconnect it. In some, some cases, some, some of us don't connect it at all. So this is not information we can uh, breeze over or look past when we're trying to connect with God. It's life or death information, right? Uh, basically, it's an eternity placement test. It's eternity placement test. The scripture says, uh, lay hold on eternal life, right? Lay hold on eternal life, on the realm outside of the realm that we live in. Right, so we, we're casual with, with one of the most important things in our life, and that's prayer. And sometimes we're so uh, intimidated if somebody says, man, ain't nobody trying to pray. Instead of us teaching that person its power and displaying the power before them, see, this is what boldness would do. Hey, tell you what, I can see how you would see that. You probably have some prayers that haven't been answered. Tell you what, you tell me what your pressing need is right now. Let me pray for it. And if God doesn't come through, then you hold on to that thought. Who's thought of that? Well, I, obviously I have. I just said it <laughs> outside, <laughs> right? You understand what I'm saying? But what we'll do is we may acquiesce or we may back down. You see what I'm saying? Because the person is stronger in their unbelief than we are in our belief, right? And that's, that's, that's it shall not be so, right? <laughs> right? So the only way to break through our heart because we're trying to break the sacrifice of God is a broken and contrite heart, right? What is that? Uh, Psalm fifty-one, seventeen. I don't have that for you guys today, but you could write that down. Um, so, so that means we have to break all that hardness and that fear and that doubt and that flesh off of our heart, so we can connect to God, right? And so the only way to break through our hearts is to live, not visit in prayer. We have to live, not visit in prayer. We have to live in communion with God, live in uh, connecting with God. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 is what we'll visit. You guys probably read this thousands of times, but it'll fit with what we're talking about. Real simple, three words, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So that's living in prayer. That's not a drive-by or a visit, right? Pray with ceasing, and you, you know, again, of course, if all you know is how to pray in the as a natural man in the flesh, uh, uh, it, you know it's kind of hard to pray without ceasing. But you can pray in the spirit in all cases. I pray in the spirit but, uh, before a game, during the game, while I'm playing the game, uh, while I was running up up and down the, the, the stairs today. I'm praying. You know, just you can pray all day. Pray while you're driving. You can pray while you watch the TV, if, you know. So you can pray without ceasing, without uh, ceasing. Let's go to Luke eighteen one. Luke eighteen one. Another scripture that reference or parallels or confirms out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So Luke eighteen one, it says this. It says, and he spake a parable unto them. To this end, that men ought to always, men ought always to pray and not faint. The word faint means to give up, right? 
We should always pray and not give up. Now, why would you even give up? Because it seems like the prayer is not working. Why would he put that scripture in the Bible? He's putting the scripture in the Bible because when you pray, sometimes it seems like it's not having an effect. Because one thing about prayer, you can't put your hands on it. See, we live a life where as long as we can put our hands on it, as long as we can see it happen. So sometimes there's, there's family members we stop praying for. There's family members we pray for three times, for two weeks. All because last time you talked to them, they came at you crazy or they, 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 they was talking like they didn't believe. Now, that, listen, so my family probably already knows this. That don't stop me. I'm praying for my family. Everybody. Believers, non-believers, sometime believers, can't stand to believe hers. <laughs> I'm praying for them too. <laughs> I'm, I'm praying for, I, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm not praying based on, on their, the stage of life they're in because the stage of life is temporary. I'm praying for their whole life. They're going to evolve. But like, I, I watch. I see my family. But I don't say nothing. They might not even know is the result of prayer. But I've seen it. I was like, God, you something else. And, and for some people, maybe it took a year. I, you know, I guess one, one day, I, maybe today, I, I don't know if she's uh, had time to even hear this today. I got to ask my sister how long she was praying for me. But they used to pray uh, at uh, Shiloh. My sister Diana used to play at Shiloh Baptist Church. Now, the trip is, is humbling when you find out people were praying for you and you knew what you was doing. So we, was, uh, we were talking one day. She was like, yeah, we had you on our prayer list. So, like, I would call her. So on my end, this is how I looked at it. I looked at it as, uh, uh, you know what? It's a little funky out here. I, I, I just need something that's outside of this craziness. I'm going to call my sister Diane, call her for, and I would call her for prayer. I wasn't calling for doctrine, no breakdown. I wasn't even really calling for a bunch of solutions. I just knew the only taste of spirituality that I knew that was in my life at the time was my sister. So I said, well, I'm going to call sis, you know, just for some prayer. And that's, what I, that, that's how I opened up the conversation. I'd be like, sis, you know, just call for some prayer. That, that's what I was, I was just call for some prayer. And then we would end up having conversations and stuff like that. So then, you know, I, I ended up moving to Ohio, and I started to participate. They had our prayer service every Saturday. You know, we would have chain prayer. We would all do all types of prayer. And so we was talking one day, and I was like, man, sis. So I was giving the testimony. I remember I used to call you. She said, yeah, we've, uh, we put you on our, in, on, in, the, in the prayer journal. Like, so when I showed up, a lot of the people already knew who I was. Cause they was praying for me, but they, they didn't know how I was because cause I had, like, the greatest highlights in the world. They knew how I was because these are Christians praying. It was like, you know, so you know how we go, we have our altar? Because we, we pretty much have our, our link of prayer when we have our altar call, right? So in, imagine in the altar call, every time there's an altar call, you hear this, this young lady in our altar call named Diane, and she's like, well, I just want to lift up my brother Keith. And then the, the days when I was really going, going through stuff, yeah, hey, I just want to lift up my brother Keith. I know we've been praying for him, but this week he's really going through stuff. So now I'm in the circle, and people knew who I was because they was like, oh, bro, we was praying for you. <laughs> but guess what? They, they didn't pray for me for one day. They didn't pray for me for a week. I don't know. I'm going to ask her. I don't know how long, but it was a while. But guess what? I'm living for God. And to, last I heard, my sister ain't stopped praying. At least I hope not. <laughs> I still need prayer. You understand what I'm saying? Like, 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 and there's family members I've been praying for. There's families I pray, I, I've been praying for. I, now I talk to daily, and we exchange scriptures. Boy, nowhere near even talking to them. There's, a, uh, there, there's somebody I talked to recently. Um, well, I don't know how recent it was, but that, you know, they watch our broadcast. They, 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 they're getting some word. See, I know I, I live that life, and I live this life. I know the result. So I know prayer changes things. I've seen it. I've seen prayer change things. The fervent, effectual, heartfelt prayer makes much power available. You see what I'm saying? 
So, so we can't, uh, we have to pray and not faint. Let's go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. And we're going to hit um, 18 through 20. Ephesians chapter 6, 18, 18 through 20. Again, we're talking about forgotten power. And, of course, that forgotten power is the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Okay, so, so Ephesians 6, 18. It says, praying always. Now, we just read, pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. It says, um, uh, yeah, that was pray without ceasing, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we read in Luke 18.1, men ought to always pray and not faint, right? And this one says, look, praying always. Always includes the word what? All. With all prayer, that's already telling you there's, many, there's different types of prayer. If it was just one way to pray, why would he say all prayer? It says, look, all prayer and supplication, look, in the spirit and watching therein too with all perseverance. So it's your perseverance and supplication, that's prayer, for all saints. It says, and for me that utterance may, now, now he says, we need to pray always with all prayer in the spirit uh, with perseverance for all saints, right? So that's his baseline. Then he goes on to say, and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds. So I'm, I'm tied into this, that therein I may speak boldly, look, as I ought to speak. As a matter of fact, I should be praying with power and I should be communicating in boldness. Right? That's actually a pray prayer I actually pray for myself all the time so 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 you see how it's a it's a consistent thing it's 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 not a it's a it's something that we live in is not a visiting prayer so 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 just to uh on our on our way out I just want to give us some considerations why have our prayers been without power why have our prayers been without power I so the obvious thing is heartfelt, heartfelt prayers need heartfelt lives. Heartfelt prayers need heartfelt lives. And so prayers that tap the heart release its treasured faith. Prayers that tap the heart release its treasured faith. So when we pray heartfelt prayers, something happens to our heart. It breaks and releases the faith, that measure of faith that's in us. Romans 12, 3. Romans 12, 3. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. But sometimes it's just, it's just hit. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of dormant. It's layered with all the doubt, the fears, the crazy, the world. And so when you start to uh, fast, set yourself apart, break down that flesh and those shells, you start to live a heartfelt life, life so you can have a heartfelt prayer. So, so that's uh, one of the reasons. Um, see, this is the thing. We've let lust, another thing is lust. We've let lust weaken our faith. We've let lust weaken our faith. Let's go to James 4. James 4. I, I might speed up a little bit, but... Uh, the scriptures will be listed for you guys uh, at the bottom of the screen. But just for the sake of time, uh, I might just pick this up just a little bit. So James 4, 2 and 3. This is good. It says, uh, uh, it says, ye lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet ye have not, because ye ask not. It says, ye ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. So it's saying that, like, you can, 
when, when you ask amiss, you're asking in flesh and fear. When you ask amiss, you're asking in flesh and fear. So it's saying you, you have not because you ask not. You're not petitioning God. You're fighting and, and warring. You're not placing a demand on God, right? So a lot of times our lust is weakening our power. Our lust is weakening our power. Let's go over uh, just a few uh, chapters over James chapter 1. James chapter 1, familiar scripture here. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to read uh, this uh, verses 5 through 7, James 1, 5 through 7. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified, okay? It says, if any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of, of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault-finding, and it will be given him. Now, think about it. When you're in crisis, you need wisdom, right? This is if you ask God to give you liberally. It says, uh, verse 6, only it must be, look, so you can ask and God to give it to you, but only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering. That's no hesitating or no doubting. It says, for the one who wavers, hesitates, and doubts is like the billowing surge out at sea that, that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly, let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. So you see what I'm saying? So, so a lot of times we're allowing uh, doubt and fear to creep in, right? And that's why we're not, our prayers don't have power. Let's go to, and, and in a lot of cases, you can't expect power if you hadn't asked, <laughs> right? So let's go to uh, Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. Again, I told you I'm going I'm to speed it up. I didn't speed it up yet, but I, I feel it. All right, so Matthew 7, 7 and 11. It says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall so your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Now, we talked about the wavering and stuff like that, so we don't have to get back into that. Uh, Mark chapter 11, I'm going to reference that, Mark 11, 22 and 25. Mark eleven twenty two and 5. So it opens up with saying, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Right? Let's just, well, I'll just go there real quick. It ain't going to hurt nothing. Mark 11, it says, uh, As Jesus answered, said unto them, have faith in God. It says, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not, key word, doubt in his heart, right? He shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. And he threw in verse 25 because if you're in bitterness and unforgiveness, it's going to bleed into your heart, and that's going, to, uh, that's going to cause you to doubt, right? It's going to cause you to doubt, right? So, so this is saying you can have whatsoever you say if you don't doubt in your heart, if you don't doubt in your heart. So you start to let that doubt get in your heart, it changes your prayer from being heartfelt to fearfelt, right? So First John 5. Heartfelt prayer, right? First John five. First John five verse four. Wait a minute, hold on. Might be in the wrong scripture. Hold on. Verse fourteen, I'm sorry. First John five, verse fourteen. It says, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, 
whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So praying according to his will, that's why a lot of times we, our prayers are without power. It's not in, a lot of times, sometimes, respectfully, we don't even know his will. Not because we maybe uh, are against it. We just haven't taken the time to research his word. John fifteen seven. John 15, 7. So, again, remember we talked about uh, the fervent affection prayers of the righteous, somebody in God's presence. This is pretty much saying the same thing. If ye abide in me, so remain in me, to remain in my presence, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. See, so it's hard to, you want what you you want what you want, but you got to ask it, leave it, drop it, thank God for it, and let it go. You see what I'm saying? But you have to stay in God's presence. So you can't let nobody pull you out of the presence of God and think you're going to have heartfelt prayer because you're going to be in the flesh, right? So, so that's affecting our power. Go back to chapter 9. Verse 31, John 9, 31. It says, now we know that God heareth not sinners. That's people who habitually practice sin, right? It says, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. So that's affecting us having heartfelt prayer. We're habitually in sin, habitually in sin. One big thing, and this, this, I think this is maybe the last topic, but I'll give you at least a couple of scripture references to confirm it, is a lot of times God is not here, our, our prayers aren't powerful because we're asking in pretense, in form or front, in pretense, right? Uh, we ask in our head, but not from our heart. Pre, we're all in our head, but not from our heart. Now, Let's go to Matthew 6. I'll explain this through Scripture. Matthew, a lot of times we pray in pretense. You know, Matthew 6, this, this, uh, this section, really 5 through 15 is all about prayer. But verse uh, 7 for right now, then we're going to read. Then I'll break down 6 through 10. It says, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. See, vain repetition and much speaking, they think they're going to be heard because vain is, they like what they're they saying to themselves. But so they think that God's really going to hear them because they, they followed all the, the, the angles and the lingo and, the, you know, the, uh, the protocols. No, God's looking for heartfelt prayer. He ain't looking for just, just vain repetition, right? And then uh, I'll just read 6 through 10. It says, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. Um, well, I'll just start at verse 5. It says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love praying, standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, this is key. They have their reward. So you can underline and highlight that. This is, but thou, when thou prayest, enter in thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father in secret, and thy father which see it in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. You know, sometimes people say, well, that's too concise. You're always you're breaking it down concise because it don't take a lot. God, God gets it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, it says, be not therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. You know, then it says, after this manner, therefore, pray you, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive, those, forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Y'all know that, right? It says, it says, uh, forgive us our debts. We forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine kingdom. Look, the power the glory forever and ever. Amen. So what it's saying is um, 
they have their reward when it's about, I sounded nice, not my heart touched God's heart. And you can't do both. You can't have vain repetitions and try to be all sweet in your communication and let your heart touch God because a broken and contrite heart operates in a level of humility and it's not just vain repetitions. You know, the, the person with a contrite heart actually genuinely is just being genuine communicating with God. So some of the pretense that we have talking to God, we won't even talk to each other like that. Like, I don't want to thou, Venetia, how art thou? I'm glad you walked through the heavenly throne to enter into the sanctuary of God. And may you have a wonderful and great day as you travel down the road of challenges and frustration and make your way to your abode. Come on, man. You be looking like, what in the world is wrong with this guy? Right? But I'll just say, ask you how you're doing today. What's going on? And we have, you know, so that's what we're supposed to be doing when we're talking to God. Right? We're supposed to be genuine. We can't put on a different character to talk to God that we carry around every day when we talk to everybody else. Even if you're up here and you're sharing, you can't be changing characters. God is just trying to use your vessel. You start putting on pretense. Only a limited audience hears you. And most of the time, that's people that's not really paying attention. Right? So, so, so pretense steals our power. Right? And that's all for today. Uh, we, we can, we'll get into next week. Uh, we have to speak God's language. If God wants to talk about this next week.